Why don't we begin our time by praying? Please have a seat. Jesus, we've just sung about you being enthroned on the praises of our hearts. We just pray right now, Lord, that you would be enthroned over this meeting, that you would be enthroned over our lives, that you would speak powerfully to us by the Holy Spirit, that we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us today, that we would have hearts that would receive that, take that seed in and have it watered in and bear great fruit. And that you would give us lives and hands to do what you show us, what you want us to do. And we ask this for your glory. Amen. Uh, I'm Larry. For those people that haven't uh, had a chance uh, to say good day to me yet, I've been hanging around this place for pretty much all this year. And it's my great uh, privilege to be able to share the word of God to you today. We're going to be continuing on in our theme of uh, Christ, his person, his message, his mission and his church. Um, I want to go way back in my Christian journey. Um, The scary thing is, the scary thing is that um, in November uh, I had my 50th birthday as a Christian. Yeah, I must have been converted at one. But yay, verily, I was converted at 15. And so I want to go back to when I was 15 and gave my life to Jesus. Uh, we went on our first Christian camp. We went to this place called the Cat Eye Creek Campsite. Should be condemned. It was infested with mosquitoes and all kinds of weird stuff. And me, I was there, so it was infested with weird stuff. And it was a very rough and ready place, uh, this, this particular campsite. I remember it for three reasons. I'd been a Christian. It was in Easter. I'd been converted the year before. And so I'd been a Christian perhaps for about five months. And I went to this campsite and I remember it for three things. Number one is that I got caught smoking. And uh, as, as children, youth have no understanding about a convincing argument about why they're doing what they're doing. Hello, have you had teenagers? This is what we do. So when the youth worker, the youth pastor, caught me smoking, um, and he said, just looked at me and gave me that look of, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm not going to say it, but what are you doing? Uh, and I said, oh, I just felt cold and it was going to warm me up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Someone should have slapped me right then and there because I absolutely deserved it. Thank goodness I gave up soon after that. Um, the second thing I did, I remembered, was that I climbed up this enormous gum tree overhanging, this bow was overhanging uh, the Cat Eye Creek River that was there, and I climbed up. And I climbed up, and it went up and up and up, and the bow went out. And I looked down, and it must have been like more than 10 metres down. And then um, there may have been some maidens on the bank that I may have been trying to impress. So foolishly, like men do, I leapt out of this thing with, with, with great poise. And as I dive, why did I dive? Into a creek. Stupid. I did test the water first, but hello. Anyway, I'm diving out of this thing and I'm realizing I'm starting to turn over under my back. So I I'm miraculously managed to turn down and turn the back slam into a slight belly flop. And then I realized that if we'd had video back then, I would have been on the YouTube of why men die younger than women. And so it would have been like a, I would have had a thousand million hits in the thing. But the third thing I remember was this that we had a speaker there called John Turner. 
uh, reverend in the Anglican Church. Uh, he had a title. He was known as Canon John Turner. I didn't understand anything about titles. I just thought he must have been some big shot in the church. Thank you. Where is a drummer when you need one? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Paul is the hi-hat I've always dreamed of. Thanks very much. <laughs> he spoke on the passage that I'm going to speak to you today, which is the passage that Andrew gave. And I want to say this. this that camp... This passage, his message, permanently changed and framed the way that I viewed my faith, my mission, my place in the world, and the calling of God to reach others. It permanently, permanently changed all of those things. So as we go on, I want to talk about uh, this, this passage and I want to say that we're going to be talking about being ambassadors of the great message of reconciliation. Ambassadors of reconciliation. I'm going to read this passage for us. I'm in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, picking it up at verse 16. And I'm going to read through to the end of uh, verse 21 or 22. It says this, and I want to, as we read it, just... Note how many times it says the word we, because the ministry of reconciliation is an us thing. Ambassadorship is an us thing. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ambassadors of reconciliation. So friends, we are, if you love Jesus, if you follow Christ, we are. You are, I am. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Uh, collectively, we have this message and this mission of reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation just simply means uh, restoring friendly relations. Isn't that a beautiful, simple way of understanding what reconciliation, restoring friendly relations. But what is an ambassador? Here's a definition. It's an official who represents his or own country in a foreign country, an official who represents his or her own country in a foreign country. Uh, my daughter-in-law is Brazilian and she's very politically aware and she takes politics of Brazil very seriously. And uh, recently she loaded up my grandson on some public transport and went to the Brazilian embassy so that she could vote over the Brazilian elections. And uh, she followed it closely and I sort of followed it with her and all those kinds of things. But she went to the place 
in Sydney where Brazil was being represented in, where she could go and deal with a representative of the country from which she comes. And so she did, she went and voted and, and so forth and so on. And as a result of that, that's the place where the ambassador is, that is the place of that. Friends, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. But we don't hold up in some church building. We meet here to refuel the plane so the plane can get going and get out and fly and do the things that God wants it to do. Hallelujah. What about that? It's church is important because here we refuel the plane, but where the plane is not due to it's just sit in the hangar. That's not the purpose of the plane. Paul Campy thinks that they just sit in the, in the, uh, from your social media. That's their purpose. They just sit in the hangars and you have to wait and wait and wait. But God's aircraft, it gets fueled up on a Sunday so it can get out and do the things that it wants to do and fly. That's what we were designed to do. And so we're, our ambassadors, we're not holed up in some embassy, but we're dispersed. We are the representatives of the king. We are representatives of the kingdom. And our role is to be dispersed so that the people who encounter us encounter the king. They encounter the king's heart. They encounter the king's values. They encounter the king's kindness. They encounter the king's love. That's what we do. We're ambassadors, citizens. I'll refresh you of the mind of these verses. I just want to read verse 16 and 17 again. From now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if in, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. How good is that? How good is that to have a fresh start? To go out and say to people, it, you're never too lost. You're never too broken that you can't be fixed. You're never too forlorn that you can't be loved. Because we go out as the king's ambassadors bringing the great news of the kingdom of God. We bring its values. We bring its ethics. We bring its beliefs. We bring the culture of the kingdom in this foreign land which God has placed us. So we think and we speak and we act as ambassadors of the king. Always and in all places to everyone. People will judge our king and our kingdom by us because we're citizens of that kingdom. We're his witnesses in a world that desperately needs Jesus. How much does our world need Jesus? We're the only ones with the good news about Jesus as Christians. You know, the world needs Jesus, desperately needs Jesus, as soon as you turn on the television, it takes you about two minutes into that. We just can't stand it after the headlines. It's just too much. We just think this world needs Jesus something desperately. God has given only to Christians the message that they can get out into the world and bring the great news of Jesus Christ to people. That's our job. That's our mission. That's our ministry. That we are children of the light. We're children of the kingdom. We carry the great hope of the world. Could you imagine what it would be like to live in a world where Jesus' values are practiced? And hasn't the Lord taught us to pray? What did he teach us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because that's what God wants us to focus on. God's will on earth. 
I've got a dear friend, I'm going to put up uh, an image of what we know what's happening in, in the Ukraine. I've got a dear friend I did an art course with uh, in Spain and this lovely, beautiful lady that I met in, in, in that course amongst some other internationals was from Ukraine. And she's not doing much art at the moment, she's a brilliant artist. I'm a reasonable copyist but she's a brilliant artist. And I, I just check in on social media, what are you doing? And she tells me what it's like on the ground, working in the resistance and the restoration of the Ukraine. She told me last week about how she's trying to get money for generators to go back into hospitals and schools and places like that so they can keep the lights on and they can keep the place functioning. Then I messaged her back and uh, I picked up on Andrew Twiggy Forrest and his des decision to give $500 million personally to the restoration project of the Ukraine and how he's going to get a renewables thing going where they're going to put billions of dollars back into Ukraine. And I messaged her that article. I just hit the link and sent it off to her. You know, and we think... How much does the world, what is going on over there? How much does the world need Jesus? James reminds us what this nonsense is all about. James 4, when it says this in verse 1, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at, that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain you fight and war. Says it all, doesn't it? It says it all. Our countries are mobilised by that sort of thing. Our world needs Jesus. We are ambassadors for Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. I was walking along the Edelong foreshore uh, uh, this week, a number of times actually, and put some images up for you there. And uh, noticed that they had decided that they were going to wrap the trees in these wonderful um, crocheted things. And so it was just awesome. And so I'm just, mind, what is going on? I saw them actually doing it. They were all sewing them together. They put all these blanket-like things and they were sewing them together. And I went up closely and I had a look at, um, at these particular things. And it was put together by the Zonta Group. And it's basically saying... Um, and particularly the last slide will show this, but it's basically saying that we are doing this to show uh, we are against violence and violation of every kind of power imbalance and abuse uh, in all situations and in the home as well. We are walking along with our two-and-a-half-year-old. He walks very fast, by the way. I walk very slow. So it's basically I chase him up the beach. We're walking along and he came to these trees. It was just like, he was just like agog with these, what are these colourful trees? Uh, he was going much faster than I do, as I said. And we went up and we said, when he looked at them, we said, do you know what these are? And it's too hard to go into, you know, this is against uh, all kinds of things. We said, this is the kindness tree. This tree reminds us of the kindness that's needed. And if people were only kind, one of the fruits of the Spirit, if people just took the kindness of Christ 
into their homes, into their lives, into their workplace, into their marriages, into their relationships, into their friendships, we'd have none of this. We'd absolutely have none of the imbalance and abuse that is happening out there. And it's interesting, I've prepared many, many couples uh, for marriage. And in the back of the book where I prepared them, it's done by the Alpha Group um, in England. Uh, they also do marriage stuff. And in the back of the book, it's got the character test question. These are the questions you've got to get yes answers to before you marry someone. We should have all read that back in the day. And um, the, the character test question is this. Is the person kind? Because if we have a kind heart and the kindness of Christ lives within us, that is a kingdom value. That's what ambassadors are. They are kind to others. And the other thing is, well, so I don't know about being an ambassador. Or, you know, I'm a Christian, but um, I don't know if I want to be an ambassador. Friends, if we are Christians, we are ambassadors. One follows the other. If we call ourselves a Christian, there is no other way. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ in this needy world. Um, it happens the moment we accept Christ. Here's a passage that reminds us that we need to be alert and we need to be representing Christ in this needy world. Colossians 4, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We need to be wise. We need to be seeking to add value. Am I adding value in this conversation? Am I representing Christ? Am I a good ambassador? And I am an ambassador of reconciliation. Our message is simply this. Anyone can be restored into a right relationship with God because God make, makes people right with him through Jesus Christ. And what does reconciliation mean? Restore friendly relations and in this case with God. Again, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we go and, and bring to people the great news that they can start afresh. It not only happens once in our lives, but the freshness of God's grace and goodness is a daily thing, isn't it? And so we rely on the goodness and the grace and the love of God daily. We seek to be renewed every day with God. We are not only saved by grace, but we live in grace. And we continue to, love, uh, to rely on the love God has for us. I'm going to read this verse out to you. It's verse, it's verse 19, but I'm going to read it out to you in the Good News Translation uh, because I think it was so clear about this message of reconciliation. Our message is that God was making all human beings his friends through Christ. God did not keep an account of their sins, that he has given us the message which tells us how he makes them his friends. How simple is that? What's our message? People can be friends with God because of what Jesus has done. 
Now we go out there and say, but I'm not, much, I'm not an evangelist. Very few people are evangelists, in fact. Uh, but we are all witnesses. If we have had an encounter with Jesus, we can witness to that in our conversations with other people. In fact, some studies have shown that less than 10% of people actually have the gift of evangelism, which is to start an intentional conversation and bring somebody across the line to a point of decision with Jesus. Another survey said that it's somewhere between 4 and 1% of people who are Christians have the gift of evangelism. Start an intentional conversation, lead somebody through to a point of decision for Jesus. But every single Christian is a witness to the truth of Christ in their lives. That's why Peter says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. So friends, we all have a personal story. Your story is uniquely yours. It's different to mine. I have my story. You have your story. But we all have a story to share. Of course, we've just finished a great long series in John's Gospel, and you'll all remember the blind man in John chapter 9, verse 25. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Laughter. Okay. There was this guy that was born blind, and Jesus healed him. And he ends up in this interrogation situation with the religious authorities. And he really doesn't know anything about Jesus other than Jesus came and Jesus' mercy, Jesus' power touched his life, and that was his whole story. He didn't know anything else. They asked him questions. He says, I don't know, I don't know anything about this guy. All I know is this. And so he said, he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. What's your story? What's your simple testimony? What, you might not know a lot of things. People say, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very good at witnessing. I don't know this and I don't know that and I don't know that. You don't need to know any of that. You just need to know Jesus. You just got to know Jesus. The woman at the well. You remember John 4. What a mighty sermon that was. A cough. We've had a laughter and a cough. I think we've got to repro- You've got to go back and revisit the series. John 4. The woman at the well. She'd had an incredible reputation, none of it good. It says in John 4 that many of the Samaritans where she came from rejected people, considered half-breeds actually. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That's not a good testimony because everything she'd ever did was not good. Imagine that. Jesus told me everything I did. I had that relationship. I had this relationship. I've had that relationship. I've had that relationship. And I'm now in that relationship. And so Jesus told her everything that she ever did. And so she went and told everybody about Jesus. And they believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. But there was a second step where she funneled the people to Jesus himself. That's what we do. We share our story. It is a powerful personal effect. They said to the woman later on in verse 42, we've jumped a few verses as you can see. So they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. And so she brought 
the people to Jesus. If somebody gets interested to Jesus, where would you bring them? Many people say we should bring them to church or to a group or to a gathering. The question is this, are we welcoming any person that comes through these doors or into our groups? Are we reaching out to them? Are we embracing them? Do we take the grace and the goodness of God and, 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 take the, and, and not condemn them and know that like us they're a work in progress so that everybody who comes into this place feels welcomed and loved and embraced? And so she brought them to a safe place, which was Jesus. We need to bring people into a safe place. This church needs to be a safe place. Our church needs to be a safe place where everybody is welcomed, where everybody is loved, where the grace and the love of God just goes out to people. They get embraced and involved in the community and they find Jesus for themselves. And so our personal powerful testimony might draw somebody to Jesus. But we as Jesus people, ambassadors of reconciliation, need to do that. And of course then there's the story of the demon-possessed man who was so crazy, full of thousands of demons, Jesus cast them into the pigs and the pigs went down the hill and into the sea. My, my kid's favourite Bible story, when I was going, we'd do the pigs. I said, well, let's do Jesus' story. I said, do the pigs. Because I would squeal and lie on my back and be a drowning pig. And so I, I would be, and I'd dive on the bed and I'd be launching myself down the hill. And go, I don't think they knew anything about what actually what the story was about. But they loved the fact that I was 3,000 pigs running down the hill on the Sea of Galilee and falling into the water. They loved all that. They loved that story. This man, crazed, demon-possessed, chained, naked, and attacking everybody that walked past Jesus dealt with him by the power of God. This man was transformed. It says, verse 15, Mark 5, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. That's the Christian story. We once were, but now we are. The new has come. This man had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Jesus did, and down further, down, down to verse 19. Jesus did not let him. He'd asked Jesus, could he be a follower? Could he join the 12? What a transformation. He wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's got to be your testimony and it's got to be mine. We're to go to those people that the Lord leads us to, that cross our paths. And when the God's spirit opens the opportunity, we just simply tell them how much the Lord has done for us and how he has had mercy on us. We don't need to know much. We just need to know Jesus. We need to share in a genuine, real way, a fresh, raw, real, powerful and persuasive message of Jesus. And it's an, it's an extraordinary message carried by ordinary people into a world that desperately needs him. 
I looked in the mirror as I was shaving this morning. It's never a good look. I looked at a very ordinary person, but a person who's known Jesus for 50 years. I look out here this morning and I see ordinary people, but ordinary people who know an extraordinary Jesus, who have experienced extraordinary grace, who he has called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to be light and to be salt in the world that he has called us to. We are ambassadors of the king and his kingdom in the world that desperately needs Jesus and we have the message and the mission of reconciliation. Let's close with this, looking at this verse one more time. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's say that together. Everybody with me. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, restored into friendly relations. Our Heavenly Father, we now receive the message that we are in fact ambassadors. We are the king and the kingdom's representative in a desperate and needy world. We take the good news that God does not count sins against people, but in Jesus they can find you and be new. There can be a new creation. And so, Lord, it is simply good news. Each one of us carries a different testimony, a simple, raw, powerful, personal experience that is so persuasive when we share it with others from our heart. And we take that out, this great message of reconciliation. And we share the good news and the hope from our own perspective. We don't know everything. We may not even know much. But we know Jesus. That's what they need as well, is an experience of Jesus. Help us as a church community, Heavenly Father, to be welcoming, grace-filled, embracing, and loving so that anyone who comes in gets a taste of what it means to be amongst the people of God in the kingdom of God. And so, Heavenly Father, inspire us today and build us up so that we might go out into this world refueled and refired for the mission that we have as a church, which is ambassadors of reconciliation wherever we are and with whom we are at any one time. In Jesus' name and for your glory we pray. Amen.